With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the dean and founder of Directions University and the co-founder of Divizio, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches. Joining me today is my co-host and co-founder in Divizio, the associate dean of Directions University, Jack Humphrey. Hello, Jack. Hello. How is sunny Florida today? Nice and warm with beautiful blue water today. Ugh. Yes, that's what it is here, too, in Indiana. Nice, warm, and water, ocean. Like, not, <laughs> no matter what, I'll never be able to manifest that for Indiana. I'm going to have to move. <laughs> yes, you will. Rumor has it I now have spare rooms, so uh, feel free to join me. <laughs> yep. Well, have uh, you we have an awesome seen the moon before you do that, have you seen the okay. moon set this week? The who? The what? The moon set. The moon has been no. setting around 6 in the morning. It has been breathtaking. How do you I've never see seen anything at like 6 it. in the morning? Don't you have to be awake at 6 in the morning to see something like that? Well, yeah. Don't most yeah. people get up at 6 in the morning? I don't I understand what you're saying. The words coming out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm often up on the back side of that. but. Uh, yeah. Have you seen a moon rise? Now that <laughs> is something to behold. I see those all the time. I'm telling you, the moon set is even better. You should try it. <laughs> anyway, go ahead and tell everybody about our guest today. Our guest is someone whose name I will hope she forgives me for obliterating. <laughs> Sarah, why don't you go ahead and just do it? Just, just do it for us. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, Gina and Jack. Uh, yes, my name is Sarah Spiker. Um, whatever you pronounce Hi. it is fine. I'm still arguing with my husband how you pronounce it based on how it's written, so you're good. <laughs> oh, man, I had it right. I should have just went ahead and said it. Well, Sarah, Welcome. <laughs> I'm going to give everybody a little bit of an introduction for you, and we'll get started. So Sarah is an MBA and a wife, a mom of two little ones, and is a life and business success strategist. Trusting intuition, following her heart, and embracing challenges, this international best-selling author's specialty is finding solutions and helping women entrepreneurs build out their businesses without sacrificing their family lives. You can visit her at Spiker. <laughs> dot com. I'm going to just go ahead and say S A R A O B L A K S P E I C H E R dot com. 
Now I know everybody's got it. There's no excuses. Go visit Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, welcome to Traffic Masters. Thank you so much for having me, and greetings from New York. New York, I bet it's nice and sunny and warm and blue water there, too. No, it's cloudy and rainy and pretty chilly, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. New Yorkers can handle that stuff. People like Gina in Florida can't handle that. That's why they have to keep those two cities separate, those two states separate. <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> so we'll start out like we always start out. What got you out of bed? What fires you up to get out of bed and greet each day these days? Oh, my goodness. I love this question. Um, well, first of all, my two little ones don't let me sleep in very long. But, you know, what I've noticed is I decided to start days on my own terms, so I try to get out of bed way before they wake up. And what fires me up is just um, appreciation for life, appreciation for everything that there is. Um, because this past year especially has been very turbulent. I was dealing with postpartum depression, and it was not a good place to be. Um, so now that I'm finally, you know, on the other side of the bridge, so to speak, it's just those little things that make such a big difference. And people who are looking up to you, who are asking for help, um, when you talk to them and you help them see those aha moments, you know, that's definitely worth jumping out of the bed for. Um, hearing giggles and smiles and laughter and squeals and squeaks from the little ones, you know, life is beautiful if you make it. I think hearing wheels and squeaks from your customers is just as nice too. <laughs> but of Even course. though it's kind of weird hearing that from adults, but hey, if that's uh, how they feel, then far be it from us, right? You know, when you're trying to get yourself unstuck for such a long time and you get a solution and yeah, you squeal, you squeak or you cry. I just had a huge <laughs> meltdown in front of my support group a couple of weeks ago and I finally got it. And it's like, oh, okay, I can cry. There's no shame in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the other side. Welcome yes, back. Thank you. Welcome back to Welcome life. Welcome back. <laughs> exactly. That is no small feat. <laughs> that is no small thing that you have done. Uh, so awesome. Well, I bet you find a lot of solace and, and help, not just with helping your family, but helping other people do what you help them do. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know what, I'm just going to start at the beginning because some of the listeners might be picking up on the accent. There's one of those days when it's pretty apparent. Um, so I'm going to share the full story of, you know, how I got okay. to be where I am. So over 11 years ago, I got a phone call from a basketball coach in New York City offering me a position on her Division One basketball team. And... Um, I was born and raised in Europe underneath the Alps and lived in a town of 10,000, had no ambition to go anywhere that was further than 30 minutes away from home. None. <laughs> so I got a phone I call. I was like, why. I'm not going. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going. No, absolutely not. But my parents th thought, you know, just give it a try might be a better idea. So I was like, oh, okay, I can give it a try. Uh, so 11 years ago, I ended up downtown Brooklyn with three suitcases, and I'm still here. Um, got my undergrad degree, my MBA degree, um, met my husband because I wanted to prove to my best friend that online dating does not work. 
absolutely. There's no way a computer can match you up with somebody. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> guess what? Um, and then uh, I got a job at the height of the 2008 recession. And that, I was really proud of it, actually. It was an amazing job. I was sitting, rubbing elbows with the business owner. It was awesome in terms of learning and seeing the inside out of running a business. Then I moved on to a bigger corporation, and then I lost this job the same week I found out I was pregnant with my first daughter. So that's how I started my own business. And I figured, you know, virtual assistant is something that I can do with my skills, with my knowledge, and it would give me flexibility to travel back and forth. Well, I quickly realized that taking orders was not necessarily what I was good at. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I surrounded myself with a team and moved into a position of a business consultant. Um, and that was going fantastic until my second daughter was born. Then everything came to a stall. Um, business no longer fulfilled me. It no longer fit. I was battling postpartum depression, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Um, I made that year, in the whole year, what I used to make in one month, and it was just awful. So... Mm. I did what I usually do for my clients. I surrounded myself with a support team, um, coaches, energy workers, healers, health experts, uh, you name it. I hired those people because I knew there has to be a way out. I can no longer do that. Um, And then, you know, through the whole this um, journey, I had a lot of time to really do self-search and really testing what's working in the business and what makes me happy from internal aspects and the external, you know, what I'm putting out there, what people are seeing, what's attracting people, which I know is the um, main topic of your show, you know, getting traffic and conversion and stuff like that. And it's Mm -hmm. amazing how hand-in-hand these two go. If you're out of the alignment internally, it's definitely going to show on the outside, when you are your own business. So that's, I guess, something we can talk about further. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, getting us up to speed with you. Yeah, and we definitely do want to talk about traffic and leads and conversion. And what you said about uh, vibrationally not being there makes uh, itself evident out there. I mean, that is my experience completely. And I've gotten very comfortable with not being vibrationally uh, in in where I need to be, and just not being and feeling comfortable with not not taking part <laughs> in stuff and you know, out there. You know, I used to feel really bad about that, but it's really important. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, you know what hit me when you were talking about this, Sarah, is that you know businesses and corporations spend lots of time and money doing training to try to get mm-hmm. everybody on the same page, to try to get them centered where that corporation wants to go. And what mm-hmm. you're talking about is being centered with your own business and where it wants oh. to go. And, of course, oh, it shows up for us really fast because there's there's not a lot of luck it has to go through. It just, boom, it's right out there. And I really liked how you put that because I think a lot of people don't think of it that way. 
They don't think of it as, oh, this is really the same thing other businesses are doing. Here's our plan or here's our goal. Are we in line with it? Mm -hmm. Uh, So many entrepreneurs get stuck and then they realize, wow, I created a job I don't like that much. Exactly. You know, and you know, change. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I spend all day, you know, working with computer programs that break. You know, at least that's my. That story, sounds like you know? fun. Yeah, can I, I get one of those jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow! I quit working for this. You know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's eternally hilarious and sort of sad, but I try to look on the bright side. That will become entrepreneurs and we'll drag all the crap we were running from to become an entrepreneur with us. <laughs> like, well, I'm not miserable enough. I'm going to need to be a lot more miserable because in my experience, I only made money when I was miserable. And so therefore, I'm too happy. Let me pile on some programs that break all the time and some other stuff. I mean, we just do that constantly. I mean, it's crazy how powerful old programming really is you know the biggest promise of being an entrepreneur the biggest promise is being on your own everything else you know there's a lot of promises there's a lot of great things about being an entrepreneur that is the number one thing that everybody when you tell them i'm an entrepreneur i'm free i'm free i can do anything i want so let me impose all these old crappy ass rules that i used to go by when i was in a cubicle and ruin it completely. Let me just see if how quickly I can ruin this whole feeling of freedom and calling my own shots and waking up whenever I want to. And, you know, the only thing that should dictate when you wake up is if you have kids. And if you don't have kids, then, you know, whatever works for you. And if your cycle is not to stay up for a moonrise or get up for a moonrise, it might be to stay up for a moonrise, like me. I would have to stay up and come and, and visit that from its origin instead of wake up to it. But you just, you know, it's really ironic, isn't it, how people, how hard was it for you to shirk the, you know, the work stuff, the, you know, and really get into a rhythm in your business that makes sense for you? It definitely was a journey. You know, my first daughter, and I just had the discussion with my mom-in-law the other day, seemingly my first daughter was such an easy baby that even as a newbie in the industry, as a new entrepreneur, I was able to do everything with her on my hip. We even ran a networking group. We doubled it in size. She came to every single meeting with me, and she was a superstar there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) By the time the second one came, she was no different than the first one. She is a very easy baby. But it just seemed to be such a difficult um, new dynamic because now all of a sudden there were two. And what I was used to, um, the dynamic, it changed drastically. My time no longer was there that I had available. My energy was not there that I had available. Uh, So that was one of the shifts that I knew I needed to make, that I no longer could be on calls with my clients for, let's say, three hours and then 50 more hours with my team and then five more hours with the client seeing everything through. I was like, okay, something needs to change and that's not my strength. So it took a while for me to figure out what is it I even wanted because I still had a perception, like you said, you know, bringing the old baggage along. Um, 
it has to be super serious. I'm on an MBA or I'm supposed to wear suits and, um, you know, hair tied up in a sleek bun with high heels writing super serious reports. I cannot support mom entrepreneurs. Are you kidding me? Those are just bloggers who are doing something on the side. That was my perception for the longest time. And it was killing me because I knew I felt differently. I was just, it took me a while to admit it to myself and put it out there. And once I did that, once I started to openly talk about my own journey, my own struggles, um, and the dark side, not just, you know, having everything perfect on the business side, on the outside, because that's what we tend to do, right? We don't talk about yes. the flaws and the failures and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, once I felt comfortable with doing that, it was like a day and night. Um, the vibration that was put out there, the word that she used earlier, that started to attract the whole different type of people to me. And what surprised me the most, for years I was trying to you know, keep up with the people that I followed and I saw them as a superstar who were years mm -hmm. ahead of me in business. Now all of a sudden those people are reaching out and asking me to participate in their events, um, to contribute to their uh, programs or magazines or be on their podcasts, radio shows, stuff like that. I'm like, whoa, really? You know, mm. it was I don't know, coming from the space of being authentic, that was a huge learning curve for me and um, just reinventing yourself and following the flow and knowing that things change. And it might be a little bit easier than a big corporation and even more apparent than a big corporation that has so many different layers that one person doesn't really change it as much. Uh, but once you're in your own business, it really has to be in a flow. Business has its own life cycle. You as a person keep evolving, and disconnects happen. So you have to really keep eyes and ears open to make sure that you can react before it's too late. And you said one of the most um, could be misconstrued as the biggest cliche in business today, which is to be authentic. And without leaving it there and just letting that hang out there. Could you explain it a little bit more? Because I know that you mean that in the right way, but I think a lot of people don't really understand what it means <laughs> to be authentic. And what, I mean, what does that take? And the second part of the question is how does that take form? Does that mean you're on social all day long being authentic with air quotes? Or what does that, how does that manifest in your life actually? Jack, this is such a great question, and I so thank you for asking it. When I first started business and supporting other coaches who are already in the industry back in 2011, I thought the term authenticity was just a marketing um, a jargon, a marketing something, a hook, you know, that they use. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I went through the experience myself that I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. So what this is, is, for example, I thought I was being authentic by showing up on video with perfect makeup, perfect lighting, perfect script, talking about um, business structures, business solutions, business uh, programs and systems and stuff like that. Yet, my message was supposed to be helping people live their lives on their own terms. I 
and I never open doors to my own personal life, much less talk about any flaws or challenges or difficulties or failures mm-hmm. or anything like it. So how authenticity looks like for me personally is to get on camera with baby at a hip who's screaming and say, you know, I have to share this with you. You're a mom, which is my primary clientele, are moms in business. This is how your day looks like. It's not perfect makeup. It's not perfect suit. It's not perfect office. It's pretty much, you know, tripping over the toys by the time you get to your desk. And that is fine. So it was really talking about that. It was talking about postpartum depression. It was talking about, let's say, how last year, between April and June, I personally reached out to 4,000 professionals via social media. I had 12 to 20 phone calls per week easily. I could not close the sale to save my life. You know, the old me would wrap that in that positive. I reached out to 4,000 people. I was fully booked. The authentic me was like, you know what? I wasn't able to close the sales. And I bet you're dealing with the same issues. And let me tell you why. And then, you know, dig deeper into those issues. And that's just one of the examples, yeah. and I hope it answers the question. It's a very, very brave position. It really is. It's one of the bravest things that a business owner can possibly do, in my opinion, to realize the truth, and that's one thing, but to actually do it and put the kid on your hip and just get on camera and do the thing. Because I don't know how much there's a difference between the way women and men perceive the 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 false nature of success and how you're supposed to look and how everything is supposed to be in order to determine whether the person you're listening to is for real or not and I don't mean authentic I just I mean from their perspective are they really succeeding are they worthy of teaching me how to succeed at something as well and one way that you defeated that is you knew who your market was right you went to moms and <laughs> they can totally understand if anybody can that you're working with your kid there and everything else is going on so you have the right audience right that helped a great deal but even so it's brave because even those moms who are watching you must have some preconceived notion of what success looks like and nobody seems to think that having a baby on your hip is a, a real, it's not like a poster you'd see in the subway of a of a you know a success story or something right we don't use that imagery we use you know suits and hair and makeup and high heels and everything else that's what we use to define success or whether we should determine or how we determine whether we listen to someone or not whether they're worthy of us listening to them are they really successful and we've had lots of people on traffic masters who've said many of the same kinds of things about being authentic, being real. Uh, Lynn Terry from Click News is uh, one that comes to mind, and, and she said a mm-hmm. lot of the same kind of story that you just told, where when she decided to become authentic and she stopped calling them um, visitors and leads and she just started calling them her audience and treating them as such and, and letting everybody see what it's like in her life for real, like she will do a fancy video maybe once in a while, and and then she'll make fun of herself immediately and show you what was behind the screen that was behind her. And it was just totally trash. There's dogs, toys everywhere, and great big dogs laying around on the couch. And it looked like a dog flop house, 
right behind her. But if you watched her previous video, it looked like a, a, you could imagine this, this, this office environment that was all pristine, and maybe she was up on a, a high floor, like the 20th floor or something. Nothing like that. She was in her house, and she, you know, then she peels back the curtain and lets everybody see. Now I think her general mode is to not even have a curtain to peel back. You know, people really appreciate that. And she kind of was doing that to ask if it was okay, ask her audience, is it okay by doing this? Can I? And then they, they, it was a resounding yes. It was, everybody was much more supportive of her than they were before. So now she doesn't even use it, or she'll leave clothes draped over the screen that's behind her or whatever. She won't even think about it. <laughs> and people love that. And that's what I really think is true authenticity. You can't fake that, right? It's either there or it's not. Exactly. And you know what was interesting? You mentioned earlier men versus women. It was a gentleman who said something to me that was the biggest compliment and the biggest wake-up call, actually. Um, I've known him since I started my business. We've been running into each other at different networking events. And it wasn't, what was it? I think it was November that I finally went out to networking again. And he said, you know what? I finally trust you. Excuse me? <laughs> he said, I've been following you around on social media, your newsletters, um, whatever you put out there for years. I never trusted you. Everything was so perfect. I knew what you were doing because that's what you do for people. You help them run their businesses, you know, flawlessly. But I didn't trust you as a person until you opened up and you shared your story. You told us about what's going on. Now I trust you as a person. Now I can do business with you and now I can refer you people. I was like, oh, wow. Um, and it really was um, a wake-up call in terms of, okay, it makes sense. If I'm expecting my clients to open up to me and share their darkest moments, their biggest fears, their most painful experiences, I have to be the first one who do this for them. I can't just expect to take something from them, I have to give back. And that's one of the ways of giving back is to showcase everything. And just, um, I think it was on Sunday when I shared on the social media that, um, yes, it's totally doable to make 10K in 10 days, which seems to be going on, you know, um, in a lot of messages or even in a day. I've seen it. It can happen. But then I, I also shared with my audience saying, you know what, I'm not there just yet right now. I'm super close this month, and it's an amazing kick-ass month. But I'm telling you what, it took me since 2011 to get to the point. You know, it didn't take me um, just showing up and saying, oh, you know what, I'm going to have a 10,000 month. It took years of nurturing leads, building relationships, giving, 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 showing up, failing, changing, um, building support, educating myself, changing myself, changing my business. It's a whole journey that led to the point. And that's, like you said, is the part that doesn't get shown so often. And yeah. it's really, in the world of online, you know, it's really easy to camouflage all those things. But then it's, like you said, who is the person that I'm talking to? Who are they as a person and not just persona, public persona? Yeah. How much do you use other people's authority to define that so that you don't have to constantly go around and start from scratch 
and define yourself for people. And I'm talking in terms of leverage, like when you come on shows and when you, you know, uh, show up on somebody else's stage. They've already done those hard years of work and labor and bleeding through the eyes and everything to build the audience that they've got. Now that audience is there engaged, attentive, and ready for whatever they've got next. Do you try to put yourself on those stages? You, I sense that you do because you've mentioned it a few times that you, this isn't your first radio show and this, and this isn't the first time you've shown up in front of other people's audiences. But how much, of, how much really percentage-wise or however you want to describe it, is it that a part of your business and your growth strategy? I'll try to word that in a way that makes sense because um, it's a great, very great question and a very loaded answer coming up. Um, yes, using leverage. If there's a shortcut, if there's a way that way that somebody paved already, why not take it? That's why I have three coaches that I currently work with because I know if I try to do it myself, it's going to take me years. If I can hire them to show me the shortcut to put me on a fast lane on the highway with an easy pass to go through, I'll be there in no time. In the meantime, showing up on somebody else's stage, it can be very tricky. It all depends how you do it. Um, if you ask for their permission, it's one thing. If you just show up and try to steal the show, that's a no-no. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, even in the world of shows and podcasting, like here, yes, I know I'm very privileged to be able to talk to you and to talk to your audience. So my major concern is that I give something that they can leverage, that they can use, that they have an aha moment. You know, that's my primary role here. If something comes out of it, awesome for my, you know, on my end. But my purpose here is to help them, to educate them, to teach them something, to show them a different way, or to give them a permission to be who they want to be to, for them to say, oh, okay, it's perfectly fine the way I feel. I'm not the only one. It's fine. I can talk about it, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Same in the social media. You know, you see the threads when somebody's asking a question or groups. Groups are super big right now on social media. But you've got to treat it as somebody else's party. If you're invited to the party, you don't play the role of a host. You know, you can work the room, you can build connections, you can provide value, you can start conversations. If somebody wants to approach you afterwards, sure. But you're not there to step on the stage, get the mic from the, you know, the lead singer and say, you know what, you're going to listen to me now. I'm here, I'm still in the spotlight. Does that make sense? Nobody knows that better than the guy that just got kicked out of the cult of copy on Facebook yesterday. <laughs> Probably the best example. It's a pretty large group, and if you belong, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, try to get into the cult of copy just to go see what happened to a guy that tried to take to steal the stage yesterday. <laughs> it did not work out well. And the funny thing is, the owner of the group, Colin, is not the guy that tore him a new one. In fact, he didn't even um, he didn't even ban him from the group. The guy left, and he left because his tribe, his people, took care of that guy. Probably overly much. They probably were even harder on him than they should have been, but <laughs> it, it made for a really great case study on, you know, when you have a tribe, they'll take care of you. When you have people that you've mm -hmm. given those aha moments to, uh, the little free aha moments, and then the more expensive, bigger aha moments that you do as a service, um, 
people will will support you and gather around you and come to bat for you if they if need be. It was an interesting thing. Oh, absolutely. And it happens more often than you think. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could almost boil it down to that. It's it isn't all of our job to to get uh, the attention that we need for the business uh, that we need to generate clients or sales or whatever we're trying to do. Isn't it just a, a string of pearls, really small pearls of aha moments, like you said, like on shows like this, which lead to if people are really intrigued by those those smaller aha moments, what, what's her big aha moment? What what can she do when we're sitting down together? <laughs> And and there's no noise, and I can ask exactly the questions that pertain to me. Wow, if she can do this, isn't that really the sum total, or the most simplified way we can we can put it, or is it even simpler than that? I think you pretty much nailed it. <laughs> okay, uh, we won't go for. nailed it. <laughs> we won't go for any simpler. That's pretty easy, though. I mean, it's like a lot of people really get drag down in the details. I like that, that the um, arc of our conversation hasn't touched really upon any kind of um, social media strategy. You know, you, you, you haven't given any kind of an aha moment, thankfully, on, you know, what people ought to be doing on social, what, like the best times to post and all that junk, because none of that really matters. You keep saying what really actually matters. And it makes me wonder sometimes if there might be some people listening going, well, when is she going to give us a tactic instead of a, a why or a strategy or something? I want to, like, give me a tactic, <laughs> and I want to tell everybody who might be thinking that, that she's giving you far more. Sarah's giving you far more. And what the, the real gold here is, is how you move through this, this path to success. It's not what you do as you're moving through this path. There are things you have to do, and there are tools you have to learn and use and things you've got to, to buy, like hosting and you know domain names and junk like that, but all of those things are just tools. And really what I like to do is to, is to hear that you know, when guests come on and say the things the way that you do, then when you've got your why in the right thing, when you really are figured out what you're here to do and how you want to do it, well, then you figure out how you want to do it. Then the tools come to bear, right? Do you, mm -hmm. do you spend? Do you obsess over the tools, or do you obsess over anything? And if you obsess over anything, might it be how am I going to just get in front of the next audience and impress the crap out of them and find my next client? What's what's your motivating factor? Um, fantastic question again. Now I know why you guys have your own show. <laughs> um, the obsession with tools pretty much ended when I finally decided to up-level my business and leave behind the technical part of virtual business management and really follow um, where I wanted to be as a strategist. And um, I am really... I am very tech-savvy if needed for clients, so it's not just, you know, this is your tactics and this is what you do, but also how you do it to the bolts and nuts. But for myself, I keep it pretty low-tech, pretty simple. Um, I'm using Google Apps, Google Calendar for my own email. I have Strikingly for the website because I find it much simpler than WordPress. Um, I created it myself. Um, I use Canva for... Um, any 
graphics that doesn't have to be professionally designed. Um, to keep me on track, I here and there take a look into teamwork.com, which is project management uh, program. And that, I think, pretty much summarizes it all. Facebook is a tab that's always open. Um, my calendar is always open. Um, another tool that I'm using here and there is um, time trade for scheduling. But what I'm finding oftentimes is just having a conversation with somebody when you try to sync your schedules, it uncovers so much of what they're going through that it's mm-hmm. a huge icebreaker. So by the time you get on the call, it almost feels like you know you have a starting point of conversation. Um, so I don't use it always. And that pretty much summarizes it. Yeah. Really low-tech. Pen and paper so, gal. If you look at my office, there's a dry board. There's easel with a notepad. There's Sharpies in every single color you can imagine. And a paper calendar with affirmations and goals. And a binder <laughs> where I keep all the notes. You know, you could almost tell how well someone understands their purpose in life and what their uh, business should be doing, how well they really thought it all out by how many tools they have. And it gets much more zen-like when you know what you want, you know the value that you provide, you know your audience, you know what you need to do to get their attention. And to the degree that you know all these things, the number of tools that you have and basically just digital clutter just really, really goes down in your life. And it sounds like you, you just described it perfectly. I know a lot of people who don't really know what they're really doing here, what what their business looks like, and they're fretting over their logos, and they have they have way more than Canva. They have three or four different graphics tools. They have way more Sharpie pins than you do. And in every other <laughs> respect, they have more junk and clutter going on in their business. And you could just look at your business right now and go, wow, compare it to the number of tools that Sarah just talked about, how many tools do you have? How many balls do you have in the air that have nothing to do with your business, really, until you have someone to serve? And the other part of that might be that look at the number of clients somebody might have <laughs> compared to somebody who's got all this stuff going on. Somebody might look and say, wow, you've got so much going on. You must have a lot of clients. It's actually usually the opposite. <laughs> the more junk and clutter and everything you got going on, the, the less business you actually even have time to do. But it doesn't really matter because you don't really know what your business is yet. Do you find? I mean, you help people with this stuff, right? Is that? Is there any truth in that? It is. It absolutely is. And I'm the queen of creating busy work when I try to get out of focus. And one of my coaches calls me out on that. That's why I actually hired her before she even knew me. She called me out of it. I was like, okay, you're hired. I need you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we use that a lot. Okay, there's there's two sides to this. First one, depending on what your business is, depending on who you serve, how you serve them, yes, you have to walk your talk. If you're teaching somebody to use systems and tools and all sorts of things, you have to use them in your business. Um, on the other hand, when you focus on different aspects, you know, from mine, 
from where I stand and from where my clients are, it's all about simplifying their lives. Yeah, there mm-hmm. are certain tools that will definitely help with that because they streamline, they automate, you are able to eliminate, and you're able to outsource with the help of those tools. But again, it it really depends on each individual. There's no one-size-fits-all, and it all depends also where, in what stage of business they are. Um, And trying things out, see what what works, what doesn't work, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Right. Yeah, so... What you, I mean, you didn't mention any other social stuff. Facebook was a, a tab that's open always. Is there anything else that you do or pay attention to that you found to be a good channel for the kinds of people you're looking for to serve? Absolutely. My newsletter goes out every Tuesday at 8.30 in the morning. It has since October 2011. Did not miss a beat. Um, and LinkedIn. I used to be really active on LinkedIn in the beginning of last year. Um, that's where majority of those leads came from where I, that I mentioned them earlier. Um, but it's not just about the leads. You know, you find your tribe, you find a community that resonates with you, that you can actually serve, that you establish yourself within, and that's where you go. Um, while you're searching yourself, you know, Twitter, I don't know when it was the last time I tweeted out something, somehow I still have the same amount of followers that I always have. So I don't know if those were the fake accounts to begin with. (laughs) I got to explore that. Um, But I really stopped obsessing about all those things. Um, I find it very, for me personally, getting exposure through different podcasts, um, very beneficial for me to get the visibility, but on the other hand, like I said, this is the way I serve. My purpose here is to serve, to help, to empower, to educate, and podcasting is one of the tools that I can do that on a larger scale than through each individual post on social media. Um, Collaboration with experts, participating on seminars, you know, you, you eventually find what works for you and you stick to that. So when you're networking, collaborating, doing stuff with other people, what do you find is the best way to get the engagement with them? These are peers or people who have audiences that you want to uh, get in front of, and you want those people to gladly share the limelight of their audience with you because you're providing them with so much value in terms of great content or a service that you've provided them or a favor that you've done for them. How do you make relationships that actually pay off, that aren't just smoke and mirrors? Because a lot of people, I think, are are trying to do this. And they know that they could skip a whole year's worth of being really social on all the channels and <laughs> getting viral and all of that stuff where you build your own business, one customer, one subscriber, one fan at a time. That's the kind of business that takes seven years to generate. Um, but they know that if they got in front of this audience, they just don't know what makes a meaningful relationship. How do you get a seemingly busy person's attention when they're the famous one and you're not so famous or not a famous at all? You're not known to them or anyone else really at all. You're just starting out. What do you recommend in building those relationships that are obviously so fruitful for you? Hmm. Um. 
And you already used the authentic. You already already (laughs) used authentic. You can't use that answer again. Okay. So I discovered. Okay. (laughs) My ears open for that one. What I discovered for myself that I'm a connector. So for me is making meaningful introductions, sharing information, sharing inspiration. Um, I meet somebody immediately. I was like, you know what? I have three people that you need to talk to for various reasons. Let me make an introduction. Um, giving testimonials. You know, if I'm participating on somebody's webinar or get somebody's um, freebie and it really resonates with me, really helps me, I'm going to tell them that. Um, if it's something that they said they would do for me but I didn't get anything out of it, I'm not going to go out and bash them in public. But I'm going to go to them and say, you know what, I don't think I got out of it what was expected. I'm re- really glad that 3,000 other people did. I just wanted you to know that, that I pre- still appreciate our time we had together, and I wish you the best of luck, you know, just being honest. Um, another thing that um, go, it goes back to freebies, and it was actually somebody else who said that, um, another influencer in the industry, and I couldn't agree more, the fastest way to get on somebody's radar is to kick ass in their program so they can use you as an example, as a testimonial moving mm. forward. Um, and then just, again, you know, building relationships, being of service, making introductions, um, bringing up their name when it's relevant. Let's say somebody says, you know what, I'm looking for expert in XYZ. Do you know anybody? Actually, yes, I do. This is the person yeah. you should talk to. Um, sometimes sometimes it's it isn't even no. a matter. I was just going to say, isn't it sometimes just a matter of showing someone that you know there are the rules that they have, like if uh, how to get a hold of me or how to submit a guest post or how to be a guest on my show, and you see that, but it's a really popular uh, blog or show or whatever, and you know that you're just going to go in a giant queue of everybody else who just blindly follows the rules. Do you have you ever have you ever made it known that you know that there are two sets of rules to someone who then picks you up as worthy to talk to, answer the phone, pick up, you know, uh, read your email and things, just by virtue of recognizing that you know that there are two different games at least being played at the same time. You know, just winking at somebody in that way to let them know that you know <laughs> that, you know, there's there's another way to play the game. You get what I mean? Or did I just totally confuse you? I'm not exactly sure, but I'll go out of a limb and I, I'll try to answer you. Let me know if I've done it. <laughs> okay, let's play. Um, it was actually... It was actually um, Somebody reached out and said, you know, I'm putting together a summit and I'm looking for people who fit that um, criteria. Are you interested? I'm like, you know, let me take a look. First of all, I got to get material together. I only was given a day or so because it was just, you know, came in a conversation, wasn't even planned to happen. Um, And then also the size of the list that they were looking for was, I think, five times from what I have. Um, I was like, you know what, I just, I'm not going to even bother. I don't fit that criteria. So the launch happened. I got their email and um, I was like, oh, I totally forgot they were doing this. Let me congratulate them for putting it all together, getting it out there. It looked awesome. Um, 
And they called me up and said, what the heck are you doing? You're not missing the train. If you don't ask, you can't, you know, nothing's going to happen unless you ask. Do you still want to get in? Like, well, can I? I said, yeah, I need your material by tomorrow. This is what you need to do. Can you do it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely can. And I've done it. And um, I think it's just the matter of asking. And I still have hard times sometimes because, like, you know, all this, perception that you have of somebody else's expectations and I don't fit in that, I don't fit in that. And I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday who reached out to participate in that event. But the first question they asked was the size of my list. I was like, you know what, are you asking for my value or are you asking to be on my list? Because if the list is interested, what interests you, we can talk about, you know, um, you buying the right to get access to it, which is something I don't even do because my people know that I don't share their information. And they're like, oh, I didn't think about it. I was like, yeah, I know. I know the game that's played out there. I know how it works to try to build your list. The easiest way to do it is through a summit. But just be honest. What do you want? And then we had a conversation. like, okay, we can definitely do this now that we clear the air. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, yeah, no, you nailed it. That was perfect. And uh, just to take that a little further, you can tell how much of um, the tables have turned in the experience levels and who's who in that conversation the minute that they ask how big your list is. All of a sudden, I lose complete respect for them. You should know how big my list is if we're even on the phone. You should know that just to go to Facebook and look at my groups or go to um, my site and do a little analysis. I mean, why? <laughs> you know, and so if you call them, they can't possibly know everybody. But it's still not a question you ask. You never ask somebody how big their list is. And the minute that you do, in my mind, you've shown yourself to be the more amateur of the two people on the phone right now, not me. <laughs> because that is not, you know, the kinds of questions I would ask is, is to get to uh, the list size or, or whatever other value that you, you might have internally set uh, for the types of people that you want to participate or do things with or whatever. And, and that would just be having a conversation, you know, asking them questions. What do you do? How many, uh, how many uh, clients uh, did you help last year? Or, you know, really more qualitative questions than quantitative ones because I can just tell you I have a 150,000-person list, and how the hell are you even going to know? So can I get in now? Oh yeah, you have a hundred and fifty thousand person list? Cool. <laughs> what? You're an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so that might be a way to just be able to tell whether or not you want to work with them more than, you know, thinking now that you have to beg to be a part of their thing. It's um it's what I, I've been writing in the uh my new book, The Leverage Black Book, and one of the things I write about is um how much people how much value people really have how to determine how much value someone really has to you and how to make sure that you convey your total value to people as quickly as you can without having to go through questionnaires and all of that like go through back doors go through side doors you know if you have someone who just continues to be hard to get a hold of or work with they will always listen to their friends. Go to the people whose emails they always answer, whose phone calls they always pick up. Go to them. They're probably a little easier. You might already have them as a peer or a friend. And and get your introduction there. 
so that they know to let down their guard and stop asking stupid questions or just doing the gatekeeper things that people have to do if they're popular. They can't help everyone. They can't answer every email. And so they have to – they panic and they come up with kind of dumb ideas on how they um, weed people out. But, you know, they're doing the best they can, I suppose, and we should think positively about that and, um, and help them to understand how much value you can bring by not playing the game. Letting them know that there's a game being played, and when you ask me how many subscribers I have, you're playing a big, fat, no-no game. Uh, I know that that's a game. We both now are on a different page. Now let's really actually talk, because that was BS what you just said right there. Don't do that again. You're kind of saying without saying it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, and I can't wait for your book to come out. I'd love to read it. Me neither, because, man, I, I want some sleep. <laughs> But you know, it's um, once you're in it for a long time, you kind of realize that the communities that people have and who belongs to whom, so to speak, and who's in each circle. And there's always leaders at the top. It's like little pyramids. There's always that one leader at the top, and then influencer around, and then the following crowd underneath who are trying to get up there. Different school of thoughts, different philosophies, different approaches. And some of those people interact not quite often. And it, it still amazes me how small the world suddenly becomes when you start making connections and introductions and you mingle and you network. Um, and when you get to know people who know people who know people, it's like, oh, how do you know them? Oh, we met at this yeah. event. We actually sat together. It amazes me. <laughs> it's so yeah, amazing. building up that industry awareness, um, because the world is always a big place. It's never really actually a small world, but we divide it up into little bubbles. And there are small bubbles. And there, you know, you could think of it as an industry um, that you're in. So the coaching industry. And then you can whittle it down to an even smaller bubble of a specific type of coaching around, um, you know, uh, women in business or things like that. So that's the small world part of it. And then the giant bigger world is those connections that you know, you know, you know, you know. Then all of a sudden you find yourself hopping from different bubbles of awareness. Well, I just came over here, and uh, Armin Morin did it a long time ago. He was a famous Internet marketer who was in the Internet marketing space, and he was known in that bubble as the top dog. And he went as far as he thought he could go there and then just decided, and this is really weird. It's almost like a gene um, splicing itself or something. It's, it's really, truly evolution when it happens, and he decided this bubble isn't big enough for my goals, for what I want to achieve. And all of a sudden, we couldn't figure out what the hell he was doing. We couldn't understand why he was showing up on stages at real estate conventions. Real estate, that's nowhere near what he, but he realized, hey, all these people need help with Internet stuff. The Internet's coming mm -hmm. up, and real estate are the, the uh, comically least aware of the Internet to this day, defiantly so. They just hate the Internet as a, as a group. And he went, when we were all in our bubble, completely aware of all of the intermediate and even advanced tactics for the latest Internet marketing stuff you could do in the day, um, he went to real estate conventions and pulled like over $100,000 in sales off the stage telling them about autoresponders mm -hmm. and blowing their minds. They were like, What? This is wizardry. This is because to them he figured it out. 
They don't want to learn anything. They don't want the Internet to get in their way, and they love the idea then of automation. So I'm going to talk about autoresponders. And he pulled huge amounts of sales, way bigger than the sales that he was currently pulling off the stages in his current bubble or his previous bubble. So it's interesting to to watch that because it's somebody who understands. I don't know how he got the idea because the rest of us were like, man, how are we going to make it by staying in this bubble? And he mm-hmm. got the idea. He was one of the first guys to get the idea. Maybe I just get out of the bubble. Maybe I go somewhere else. I'm relevant to exactly. lots of different groups. I might have to use a couple different words. But have you have you done exactly. that? Is there an example that you have where you've we've jumped? You've gone bubble hopping. <laughs> bubble hopping. <laughs> uh, well, there are a couple of different um, communities that I do belong to, mainly for learning purposes for myself. But um, I guess you could call it that way, going from a virtual business manager, virtual assistant, to a consultant, to a strategist, um, and then going from strictly business to incorporating life piece into it. There has been some changes mm-hmm. along the way. Um, that's you know that's what the evolution uh, of personal evolution, business evolution. That's why it's an ongoing thing. But what you mentioned that really struck me, I'd like to um, add to my my two cents to it, is when we talk about automation and um, email marketing and paid ads and stuff like that, it's really appealing if it's the strategy that works for you and for your budget uh, because eventually it all comes down to numbers. So it, it's upsetting sometimes to see somebody um, – who has expectations that at $20 budget they will achieve the results that they're seeing gurus achieve, yet they have no idea that those gurus, so to speak, are pouring in tens of thousands of dollars in Facebook ads, for example, Um, have very um, clear strategy and pipeline and funnel built on the back end that knows exactly, you know, where to take you down which funnel based on your actions that you take when you get their email. Um, So it's easy to talk about automation on the front end, and there are a lot of things you can do on a day-to-day basis, but to really get those big results, you know, it's a lot more than just an autoresponder in a MailChimp. And the reason I just thought about it is somebody just rented um, recently how they unsubscribed for I don't know how many emails because um, they were getting too many. Yeah, well, that's what email marketing is. If you don't like it, you subscribe. You get back to the list when there's something of the value that you want. It's it's a game. Again, it's the game we all play. Um, and um, if you don't mind, there's another note that I wanted to make here um, when it comes to relationship building and building a funnel and bringing clients. It was a mm-hmm. painful lecture that I've learned that I'd love to share, if you don't mind. Yeah. We have uh, a couple of minutes left, and I want to make sure everybody knows where to get a hold of you. Oh, absolutely. So I'll make it quick. Um, okay. So, yeah, with um, referrals, right? I think referrals are still the most valuable thing you can get in your business. Nothing beats a good referral um, because trust is already established. Somebody puts their name on the line to refer you to that person or the other way around. Um, the lesson that I've learned is you cannot buy the trust. You cannot buy the trust. I tried. It's really embarrassing, actually. Think about it. Um, there were a couple of months 
where I thought, okay, you know, if I reach out to every single person that I know, letting them know they pay $500 flat fee for any client that signs up that they send my way, oof, I, I don't know, I won't be able to stop the leads. It was dead silence. You cannot <laughs> buy trust. Right. Um, a couple of leads actually came in. I offered $500 check, and these people said, no, just take care of my buddy. I don't care about the money. Just take care of them. I was like, whoa, really? Is that easy? Um, <laughs> it sounds so too again, good to be true, and then you try it, and, and it works. <laughs> and that comes back to the conversation we had about the authenticity and integrity, you know, it's um, and trial and error. Well, where can everybody find out more about you? What's the best place you want to send them? Um, if you want to start by Googling up my name, I think you're going to get more than enough information just kidding. Uh, website is a great place to start. www.sarahoblackspiker.com. I hope it's going to be in the notes. Um, yes, it will. Phone number 646-801-0681 if you're a type of person who prefers to chat on the phone. And social media, Facebook, Sarah Oblack Spiker. You can find me there. I'm really responsive. Um, and like I said, sharing resources, sharing information. If you feel you're stuck, let's talk. I'm pretty sure there's somebody in my network I can refer you to. Yes, you sound like an awesome unsticker for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Great Thank you job, so much, Sarah. Sarah. Thank you. Sarah. Everybody's thanking you at the same time. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. You guys Great are awesome. job, Jack. And thank you, Jan. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, for another episode of Traffic Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.